Good morning. Welcome to Westview. My name is Pastor Eric Norris. I uh, consider myself the pastor of, of anything that needs to be done. And so today that's preaching. It's always good when I get invited back. That means maybe the last time I didn't, uh, ex um, my warning, uh, I didn't outlive my coverage or something. I don't know. I'm here. It's good to be here. If you're online, we're glad that you're here with us. Um, I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit has something to say to you today. There are a few notes on this. But I'm going to take notes. There are going to be some things. Before we get started today, I want to start with our text. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark. And we're going to be in chapter 10. We're reading the story that's probably you've read before. Um, but I hope that we break it down a little bit, maybe in a, in a different way this morning. So Mark chapter 10, it's in the New Testament. Second book of the New Testament, chapter 10. And we read this. As Jesus started on his way... A man ran up to him and fell down on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have been kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, I'm going to pause there for just a moment. How many of you have ever asked for directions? Now, if you're a guy, just leave your hands down. I know that's kind of an oxymoron like, statement, but... Uh, and I know in our techno world today that that's kind of a thing of the past, that now we just ask Siri wherever we want to go. Um, but just imagine with me today, back in the old days. So it's after church, and I'm hungry, which is a true statement. It's always after church. I'm hungry. I'm just saying. And so I meet you in the parking lot, and I say, I've heard about this place called the Little Grill. Can you tell me how to get there? Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get a variety of different types of directions, some of you are going to say, well, when you leave here, just go out Seth Childs all the way until you hit Highway 24, and then turn right, and then follow it around until you hit, uh, and you're going, then turn on 113. Go up over the dam, and when you get past the dam, turn on Dyer Road, that's 113, then turn on Dyer Road, go a couple of miles, and you're going to find it on the left. Okay. Now somebody else is going to say, well, you go around Fort Riley Boulevard. You've got to go clear around past the mall and Walmart and all that stuff. And you go clear out of town. And you get to that old schoolhouse at Dyer Road. And you turn right on Dyer Road. And you follow it two or three miles. And it's going to be out there on your right. All right. And some of you are going to say, well, let me tell you the best way. Because I'm a scenic route guy. You go out 24 toward Wamigo. And when you get to the stoplight at Green Valley Road, turn left. And you follow that up, and it's going to T. And at that T, turn left, and you're going to follow a gravel road, and it's going to wind around these beautiful hills, and it's going to dump you off on Dyer Road, turn right, and it's right there. And some of you are going to look at me and say, I've never heard of it. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to directions, there are a number of ways to give and get directions. There's the right way, which is usually my way. There's the wrong way. If you tell me when you leave here, go west on Highway 18 past the airport, I'm probably not going to listen too close to that one. There's the shortcut. Somebody always has a good shortcut. There's the long way. Some people are very precise. They're going to give you miles and odometer readings, the names of streets and roads. 
if you grew up where I grew up in the country, they're going to say things like, well, you just go down to the county line, hang a left, and drive to the crooked cottonwood tree, and then bear right and look for the silos, and it's going to be right there. That's kind of how I grew up with directions. The key is ask somebody you can trust. Siri, how do I get the little grill? Which is where most of us end up. You know, one of the most frequent questions we as pastors get is, how do I know the will of God? In other words, how do I know what direction I should be going? Because we all want our journeys to be significant. We all want the road that we're on, the path that we're on, to lead someplace, and hopefully that's to God. Now let me take you back to our story. As I was reading through chapter 10 of Mark, as preparing for this, I was struck by something. Hanging out with Jesus must have been a very unique experience. When you listen to the things that he said, when you watch the things that he did, when you experience the people that he experienced, it must have been amazing to be able to hang with Jesus. I mean, God incarnate that we're walking with him. At this point in chapter 10, the disciples who were following Jesus, they'd already listened to him talk about marriage and divorce. And then they get scolded because they're trying to keep the little kids away from bugging him. And he says, no, let them come. And so now it says that he's preparing to go. Where's he going? He's headed to Jerusalem the last time where he's going to give his life. But just as he prepares to go, this young man, it says, uh, comes running up to him. Now, that's pretty significant. The text tells us some things from this story that I think are important to help us understand the story. To begin with, he came running, we're told, and he nailed down before him. And I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume there's probably broad daylight. Why? Well, he'd just gotten done blessing the children. He's probably not doing that late at night. And so we're going to assume that it's broad daylight that this young man runs up. Luke identifies in this story that he's a certain young ruler. So think about it for a moment. Now, in all of the Jesus movies you've seen where you see these pious Pharisees and Sadducees, can you picture them running after Jesus and kneeling down? And that's probably what he was because if he was a Roman preceptor or governor of some type, he's probably not running to hang out with Jesus. So he's probably a religious young ruler, an up-and-comer. In broad daylight, he runs up and he kneels before Jesus, highly undignified. So what does that tell us? It tells us there was something urgent on his heart. There was something that was eaten at him that he just felt like he had to get an answer to. I don't know if you've ever been there. There are times in my life that I've been there. It was urgent. It weighed on his heart. It was urgent enough that he set aside kind of the piousness of his position and he ran after Jesus and he kneels down before him. It was important. Folks, it's a journey that we're all on. It's a journey to know the God who created us. And in fact, it's a journey we're on uh, to know him because that's what we were created for. You know, Pastor Brian reminded us in the series a couple of weeks ago that when we talk about knowing God, that's not just a cerebral knowledge. It's not a head knowledge. It has to move from head to heart. It's that intimate knowing face-to-face the God who created us. 
and, not, and we know lots of stuff. I mean, our brains are filled with all kinds of hogwash. <laughs> I was having a conversation with my family, and I asked my, my nephew, who's a fifth grader, uh, how was your day today? What did you learn in school? And he told me something, and I wasn't listening, which is the good pastor I am. And then I said, you know what I remember from fifth grade? Eclipsing binaries. I don't know why I remember that, but if you ask me, I can tell you what an eclipsing binary is. My head is filled with all kinds of useless stuff. But knowing God is not useless. It's that moving from, from head to heart. This young man came running because it was on his heart. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us this. He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has set eternity right here. When he created us, he put this, this thing in our hearts that we, sets us on a journey to know him. Not just to know about him, but to know him. And it can only be satisfied when we know him. That's the journey that we're all on. It's been set in our hearts. And in this question that this young man asked, we see the depth of what he's searching for. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a question that probably we all ask at some point in our lives. It's also one of the big lies that Satan uses. You see, Satan knows that if, if he can make us be all about the things we do, we miss who we are. We are a child of God. And if he, can, if he can have us chasing around on the dues of life, we miss who we are in Christ, in what he's designed us to do. And folks, make no mistake about it, doing is easier than being. Because it means I'm in control. If I just eat less, I'll get skinny. If I'm lonely, I just need a relationship, whether it's good or bad. Because if I, if I can do something, I can fix it. I'm in control, and this young ruler wanted to be in control. I have some good news for you this morning. We have a, the best roadmap for our journey. It's right here. It's the inspired, written truth of God, and it directs us. It directs us to know God intimately when we connect with this word. It's his living word giving to help us, given to help us on the journey. It's directional. So here's the point for today. As amazing as it probably was to spend time with Jesus and to watch and encounter the people he encountered, we have something just as amazing. It's right here. It's something that we have access to regularly, that we can learn to know. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. So what does it direct us? Well, first of all, it directs us to know God. This is where you're going to want to fill out the blanks on your little connection card. It directs us to know God. It directs us to know the Creator. So one of the things I think that we lack as Christians today, not, it's not just we lack reading. I think that we... Uh, we just don't read this enough. I think another thing we lack is to be able to explain it to others, why we read it. And so 
in my, I teach an Old Testament and New Testament class here. We're in the middle of New Testament now. And so I, I kind of summarize it like this. So it directs us to know God. The Old Testament, you might want to take notes here. The Old Testament is God's revelation of himself to man. God's revelation of himself to man. So how does he reveal himself? He reveals himself through creation. In the beginning, God. And he creates all things, and all things he created point to him. He reveals himself through a man, Abraham. Abraham, if you will leave your people, go to someplace I'm going to show you. I'll make the father, you the father of many nations, and all nations will be blessed through you. He reveals himself then through a people, the nation of Israel. He sets them apart as a holy nation. Why? So that the other nations can know who he is. He's revealing himself. And then he reveals himself through judges and prophets and priests and kings. So the Old Testament is God's revelation of himself to man. He directs us to know God. The New Testament is God's redemption of man to himself. God's redemption of man to himself. So how does he redeem? How is he working? He's working through the gift of his son. For God so loved you that he gave his only son. He's redeeming us to himself through chosen disciples, those that he called and said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He's redeeming us through the church he tells this group so as the father sends me I'm, I'm doing what I'm sending you we're the church and then he's redeeming us through miracles and parables and stories and epistles and letters and revelation so here's the test the old testament is God's reveal, revelation of himself to man the new testament is God's redemption of man to himself so God directs us to know God he directs us to know Jesus and then finally he directs us to know me who am I well according to Romans 3.23 I'm a sinner far from God for, for a few of you have sinned and fall short of God's glory I don't think that's what it says it says for now I'm not a deep theologian, but when I do a word study of all, you know what it means? All. That's you and me, all of us. For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. That's who I am. It also shows me that I'm a seeker with eternity set in my heart, and I'm on a journey to know him intimately. So the Bible directs us to know God, it directs us to know Jesus, and it directs us to know me. God loves us enough to spend eternity for us to spend eternity here's one of the most important things we learn from our text today so in response to to this man's question what must I do to have eternal life he helps him understand there's nothing you can do it's been set in our hearts the one thing that d distinguishes the Christian journey that we're on from all others is it's not about what we do. It's about what he did. 
If you miss anything I say today, hear this. God set eternity in your heart. He did it. God sent his son to die for you. He did it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He did it. So knowing the deep down part of this young man's question, Jesus redirects him away from the do's to know who God is. So he says, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God. So he's changing his mind from, from this checklist of things to, to the God who created him. And a while back, we had a sermon series on the Ten Commandments, and I don't know what you remember. So Jesus' response to this young man, it's interesting because he uses the things in the list that are the doables. Well, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, uh, honor your father and mother. Those are all things you could, he could check off. And you remember how the young man responds? All these things I've done since I was a boy. Now, he's a pretty confident dude, I'm telling you. I'm a pastor, and I wouldn't stand up here and tell you that. And yet he says, I've done all this since I was a lad. What's interesting is that he never mentions what he had just a few chapters ago told the Pharisees when they asked him, what's the most important commandment trying to trap him? You remember what he says? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't tell this young man that because he knows his heart. Jesus knew his heart. He moves beyond the commandments that were doable to the heart of the problem, which was his heart. He knew what was keeping this young man intimately from knowing God intimately that would ultimately keep him from eternity. And within his response, we see the very heart of God. It says Jesus looked at him and loved him. He wasn't frustrated with him. He wasn't angry with him. Jesus looked at him and loved him. He knew how he was going to respond, and yet he loved him. He knew he was looking for justification more than he was looking for eternity. He knew him, and he loved him. That's what the Bible directs me to know. That's his response to me. Some of us in this room are doers. We wonder if we have checked enough boxes so that one day we have a shot at heaven. Some of us uh, continue to live with our past, and no matter how hard we try to get rid of it, it's tattooed on our brains, and we can't get past it. Some of us feel pretty good about who we are, and we're just counting on that to help us squeak by. And some of us just want to be justified in the choices we made and the life we're living, but we're not really interested in changing or surrender. And yet God knows all that, and you know what? He loves us. In all of this messiness, Jesus looks at us and loves us. He knows us, and he loves us enough to speak the truth to us. One thing you lack, he says, go sell everything you have, and you'll have eternity in heaven, and then come. Follow me. When I read this, I catch myself wondering, what part of Jesus' response did this young man struggle with? Maybe he struggled just with the very fact that he lacked something. I mean, he just told him, I've done everything, I, I, I've checked all the boxes. So maybe this young man struggles with that, that, there's, that he even lacks anything. You see, he came looking for justification. Or maybe he was surprised that he was asked to sell everything. So did he have an emotional attachment to the things he owned? Did he worry about his retirement? 
Did he think being a follower meant that he wouldn't have enough to take care of his family? That somehow God wasn't big enough to meet his needs? Or maybe he struggled with giving it all to the poor. <laughs> you see, as a religious young ruler, he'd been taught all his life that he needed to stay away from the messy people. They'll make you unholy. Did he think he'd have to get involved with the messy people in life to care for the orders, orphans and widows? Or maybe it was becoming a follower of Jesus because wasn't it, isn't it easier to be a doer than it is a disciple? A doer, I can check boxes. A disciple means I have to give. Folks, life is a journey. It's a journey that was set in motion before we were born. Psalms tells us that God's before he, he knit us together in his, our mother's wombs, he knew us. It's interesting, this man was certainly seeking the right person to get direction, wasn't he? The sad part is, is he headed west on Highway 18. <laughs> the Bible is directional. It directs us to know God intimately. It directs us to, to know Jesus died for our sins, and it directs us to know that I am a sinner. So this morning, as we listen to this message, as we recognize the fact that we're on a journey, a journey that was set in our hearts before uh, all of creation was created, I'm in one of three places. I know whose I am, I know where I am, and I'm happy to be on the journey. And some of us are right there. This young man wasn't. Some of us are urgently running to Jesus to get direction. Lord, what am I supposed to be doing? And some of us are at a decision point that we've checked all the boxes. God has placed eternity in our hearts, but we're at a point where we're trying to decide what's the decision I need to make. This morning, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And we're going to celebrate the most amazing part of this journey. That's our time with the Father. Our time at his table. As we have the privilege this morning to celebrate communion. Not because of what we do, but because of what he did. We are called to respond. We are called, no matter where we are on the journey, maybe we, we know where we are or we're running and seeking direction or maybe we've never made a decision, we are called this morning to a response. Jesus says one thing you lack. Give it all away and come, follow me. So maybe this morning, you know where you're on the journey. I would invite you this morning to come and celebrate. Come to the table. We're standing on holy ground because of something he did. We can come directly to the throne room of God because of what he did and celebrate this morning. That's the joy. That's the victory of being on this Christian journey. If you're running to catch Jesus and need direction, the invitation this morning is come and respond. Bow down before him. Accept his gift of grace. Come with a willing heart, ready to respond. He has an answer for you. 
Come and let him fill you with eternity. Come and know him intimately, not head, but heart. Or if you're a decision point this morning, come and surrender. The good news this morning is that Jesus paved the way for you. No matter what you've done, or even if you've checked all the boxes, you still may be lacking that one thing, that respond, head the right direction. In John 14, 6, we read, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this morning, as we get ready for communion, if you know you're a child of God, come and celebrate the joy of the Lord. If you're seeking direction, if you have questions, come and respond. And if you've never made that decision, come and surrender. I'm going to invite you this morning to come take the elements. Again, remember that we celebrate open communion with here, which means you don't have to be a member. We just ask that you be in right relationship with Christ. Come, take the bread. I'm going to ask that you hold it and the juice, and we'll take it together in a few moments. If you're here and you have a decision to make, or you need to respond, or you need prayer, I have some prayer team members that I'm going to ask to stand around the room. I would invite you to find one of them during this time. Get some direction. But this morning is yours. It's your opportunity to respond. So as the worship team sings, come get the elements, respond in the way the Holy Spirit is asking you to respond, and then we'll take the elements in just a moment. The cross has the final word. The cross has the final word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the fine word. The cross has the fine word. The cross has the fine word.
most of you know, that's not the end to this story. Jesus tells him to sell everything and to come follow him, and it says the young man left his face sad because he had great wealth. And so that prompts a discussion between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus says, you know, it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to enter into the eye of a needle. And the disciples are incredulous They say, who then can get into heaven? And Jesus gives the most amazing response ever. He says, with you, it's impossible. But with God, everything's possible. Our position here is because we serve a God of the impossible who's able to look through all of our crud and love us who's able to to accept us and ask us the tough question. What's keeping you from eternity? Get rid of it and come follow. That's where we are this morning. It says in Corinthians that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance. So this morning, we stand here on holy ground because his body was broken for us. 
So let's take the bread together this morning and remember how amazing his love is. In the same way, after supper, it says, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And when he comes, that's eternity. His blood given for you. He did it. Let's take and remember. Would you pray with me? Father God, this morning we stand here, Lord, in many different places. Some of us know, some of us are seeking direction, and some of us have a decision to make. Father, in this moment, would you speak to my heart so that I might know your heart? Would you give me the power to make that whatever decision I need to make, to surrender whatever I need to surrender so that eternity is set in my heart? Father, we need you. We need direction. Father, we also this morning lift up those in our congregation that need you in a special way. I think especially of the McHenry family. Father, in the celebration of Greg's life that's coming up, Lord, would you comfort them with the comfort that only you can give. Father, we think of Tyler and Mary Dirksen and the birth of their baby. Lord, they need a touch. They need strength and healing. Father, would you touch and heal? Father, we lift up this body. We lift up this decision to retain Brian as our pastor. Father, we want to be where you want us to be. And so, Father, guide us as we vote. And finally, this morning, it's our time of giving, our time of response. So, Father, first, help us to respond to what you're speaking to us, to make the decision that we need to make. And second, Lord, help us to be obedient, to give back what you've given so that you can accomplish your kingdom work through us. Father, we stand here this morning on holy ground, and we say thank you for paying the price. Lord, we say thank you for what you're going to do. We say thank you for your word. Now, Father, help us to celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen.
So I hope that the Holy Spirit has spoken something in your heart in the way to respond. I have a gift for you when you leave here today. So when you take your ballots out, I've created a bookmark that kind of summarizes some of the things that we've talked about on this journey, some of the facts about the Bible. I've included the Old Testament and New Testament uh, thing that we did today, um, some, some Bible verses, um, some things like the Bible is truth, complete and eternal, inerrant, incapable of being wrong, infallible, without error, relevant, applicable to everyday life, purposeful. It will accomplish what God intends. And I love this verse. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will return, it will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's my blessing for you today, is that his word will not return void. So grab one before you leave. We'll see you all next Sunday.